watching The Wireless, a podcast about radio with Jamie Dyer. So here on the Watching the Wireless podcast, I'd always intended to talk to um, people involved in radio, not just in this country, in the UK, but all around the world. And I have done so, but not nearly as much as I'd liked. Well, I am so glad to be able to tell you that right now we're going to throw it all the way across to Sydney, Australia, where Dan joins me via Skype. Now, Dan is a very interesting person he's got lots of uh, things going on over there um give us a little bit of a rundown of how you are um placed in the australian broadcasting landscape hey jamie good to be with you nice to be on your podcast yes yeah, so i currently work at 3aw in melbourne uh, well it's one of the places i work uh which is uh the number one radio station not just in melbourne but it's actually the number one radio station in australia and owned by uh, as far as I'm aware, the number one network in Australia as well. Uh, I've been there for a couple of years, been doing uh, panel operating and a bit of producing. Love it there. There's a lot of very, very good people there. And I, I get to work uh, most nights uh, when things return back to normal <laughs> after COVID. I get to work uh, most nights with a very, very nice guy. Uh, he does a very good job in the name of Dennis Walter. He's been there for many, many years and uh, one of the nicest guys you ever meet. And alongside that, uh, I also have some commitments in Sydney um, where I do a lot of rugby league stuff. So I've been broadcasting rugby league uh, in various forms for the past really 12 years, but in this stint for the past six or seven years and um, also filling on the breakfast show uh, from time to time on the station I work for in Sydney. So working in both states in a normal year is a bit tricky, but uh, one I love. There's so much there to unpack, isn't there? I mean, I am familiar with Free AW. They do some fantastic um, speech-based pro because it's a speech station. How was it? Like, if, if you think back to the first time you walked through that door, knowing this is like a massive station, what was that feeling like? Yeah, a bit of a weird one because I, I'd done stuff at various other stations and also spent some time in England, which I'm sure we'll get on to uh, later. But I actually started out um, at 3AW. They had a spin-off station or a second station uh, called Macquarie Sports Radio, which I suppose for people listening in England is similar or was similar to Talk Sport. I got my chance there to work on uh, the breakfast show in Melbourne. And even though I was in the same building on the same floor, I didn't for quite a long time have much to do with 3AW now. 3AW's is top of the ratings, Macquarie Sports, which actually now no longer exists, was very low down the bottom. And it was a new station where people were sort of finding their feet. And that was a really good, enjoyable experience for me because that was the first time I'd worked in a major radio station, regardless of where it rated. It was still a major radio station. And then uh, I first got a few shifts at 3AW uh, probably a couple of years ago now. And now being able to work uh, on a regular basis is something very special for me. Obviously, there are a lot more important people there. There are a lot of people that probably do, well, definitely do a better job. But just to be a, a small part of a radio station that has been so successful and probably, Jamie, not being originally from Melbourne, I don't know. You don't know. The, obviously, you know the history, but you haven't felt the history as much as people that have grown up there, wanted to work there for all their lives. But just having worked there for the past two and a half years, you just know what it's like at 3AW. The, the people are nice. And, and to be honest, it's one of the friendliest places you can work at anywhere in media that I've found anyway. Yeah, it, it always sounds like a cohesive unit, like they know 
what it is they want it to sound like. You say that you you do nights on on there. What what is that like? Do you have much producing and whatnot to do? So uh, at the moment, I'm doing Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night times. So that were usually between eight and midnight. That's sort of changed a bit recently uh, because of coronavirus and the sport and everything. But what well, once we sort of get things back onto uh, even footing, that will uh, resume. Uh, I work with a guy called Dennis Walter, who um, he will be probably embarrassed about me saying this, but is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in the media. Um, and that I have to say, I have not met everyone at 3W, but anyone I have met, whether it be on air or off air, is just lovely people. And I work with a producer most of the time called Marnie, who uh, is just one of the best producers I've ever worked with. So it's a really relaxed environment. Obviously, there's a lot of news around. Dennis sort of tries to keep the show quite light. We have a heavy hour between 8 and 9, and then between 9 and midnight, we, we try and keep it light. But obviously, news is important, um, especially at the moment with everything going on around Australia and, of course, uh, obviously around the world. But we try and keep it fun. And I think sometimes in talk radio or speech radio, as you call it, that, that's kind of lost. I, I think 3AW has a, a very, very good balance between heavy news and light stuff. And I think that's probably why it's rated so well and rated number one for many years. Yeah, and there are areas that that station go to that I've not really heard done before, which is fascinating. I think I've heard like features on like motoring and others on gardening in the morning, which is not it's not unusual, but to actually do like live phone-ins and stuff is quite a... It must be quite difficult. What's well, funny, um, a few years back, there was a station around Australia, at least in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, called Talking Lifestyle. <laughs> that was basically that 24-7. That didn't uh, work out the way uh, they planned it to. But it's good having those different segments. And also what you get on the weekdays, and this is not just a 3AW thing. This is a thing that you sort of get throughout a lot of the talk radio stations in Australia is you have obviously the series shows on the weekdays. But when you get to the weekend, uh, there's either sport, which is, of course, usually dominated in Australia by either rugby league or AFL uh, and cricket over the summer, or you have those sort of talk back but sort of lifestyle type shows. So, you know me, I love England radio, but uh, the way the Australian does it, Australians does it is different, but it is still very, very good and very popular to. Uh, the rest of the world and especially here in Australia and of course you've got the FM stations that uh, are normal and play their music and stuff like that uh, yeah it's it's a good mix of radio you get over here yeah and you would know the difference because you spent a little bit of time over here uh, in particular at Boston's Endeavor FM which um, which is where we share a connection yes I moved over there uh, to Boston at the back end of 2009 we both know the owner and the person that runs that station Dylan Taylor and I'm still in regular contact with him actually had a chat with him just a couple of weeks ago but he messaged me at the back end so it was probably uh, you'd probably know more actually of when he took over but they did their first FM run in I think it was the middle or one of their first FM ones it runs in the middle of 2008 and he actually got me on uh, the station he was doing breakfast and he got me on the station uh, to do an Australian report for I think the whole month and I started doing that and he put me in contact with a, a couple of other people one I uh, got particularly friend with and uh, friendly with and I, over time I started speaking to Dylan um, and this sort of occurred probably for about honestly Jamie about 14 or 15 months we were speaking to a couple of people and one of the people on the station uh, by the name of Robin Dalton uh, who was we were very friendly and and we, we both decided and Dylan sort of decided as well and I made the decision like I'd like to come over and uh, have a go on the radio there and obviously uh, there are other reasons going on as well but 
it's something that I was just saying to you off air. It's something I don't regret. I arrived in the back end of 2009 and I left in February of 2012. Uh, for the most part, I was doing the afternoon show there a lot of the time by myself, but I did have a colleague of co-hosts where I had uh, Jay Landshoft, uh, Jake Lacey, uh, Robin Dalton did a few shows with me um, and a few others. And it was a great time i was involved with the sport with patrick hildred who is on to bigger and better things now working at heart in uh, london and global but um it was a very enjoyable experience and uh, doing that afternoon show day in day out and being involved in the sport doing a few other different specials along the way jamie it really taught me a lot about radio you know one day i'd love to be able to revisit that potentially in england because uh, yeah, it's a very special place in Denver. Uh, and yeah, as you'll, you'll probably say as well, a lot of people go through it. A lot of people obviously do it as sort of a part-time hobby. But the people that take it seriously, the vast majority have gone on to something that they'll be very proud of. And most of them that I know are still, you know, I'm, I'm 30. So they're in their late 20s, early 30s. So quite a big career ahead of them and, and that's what Endeavour has done for a lot of people. Yeah and that's the magic of community radio the way that it is in this country and long may it continue. While you were doing that because obviously because it was community radio and I think at that time um, for some of the year Endeavour was online only were you still doing stuff for Australia while you were in England? No so I, I kind of made a so I was doing some radio before I left Australia to go to England only bits and pieces a lot of it was community radio as well. Um, and I made the choice for a, a few reasons, uh, personal and, and not, to head over there. And I, I obviously, I still had friends and family over here, so I still stayed in touch with them. But for the couple of years I was over there, I really just focused on what was going on at Endeavour. It's funny, I still remember going in the first time, and I'm sure you would have experienced this as well, uh, I'd known Dylan Taylor, who runs the station. Uh, I'd spoken to him since, I think, 2003, uh, so it's quite a long time ago. And, and I remember the first day walking in there with uh, Robin Dalton. Uh, me and Robin Dalton went to find him and say hello to him or whatever, and I said to him, look, you know, I'd be happy to do this show or whatever. Another guy by the name of Nathan Talbot, or Ned as we like to call him, was running it uh, at the same time as well. And we said, okay, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. And my time there, I did, I think, 1 to 4 p.m., uh, 2 to 5 p.m. I even at one stage, Jamie, did 12 to 5 p.m., which was an interesting uh, thing to do five days a week. But, no, I just focused on everything that was happening in England because, to me, I had moved over there. It was never going to be a long-term thing, although uh, you never know. I may re revisit that again in the future. But it was two years that I just focused on what was happening in England, and, yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I think, Jamie, I was the only Australian in Boston too. Quite possibly, although that's a very diverse area, um, is, is Boston. What you've just explained to me there, it kind of gives you, I, I suppose it gives you a, a wider perspective because when you spend time in just another area, not even just another country you kind of pick up other things and when you go back to your initial place you you kind of feel a little bit more fulfilled don't you yeah and and i think the difference between boston and somewhere like a london or a manchester is and don't get me wrong i spent some time in london last year we were over there on a holiday and it was lovely but London and Manchester are the big cities now. I'd love to work there one day, but um, that's where a lot of the tourists like to go. It's the same if, you know, people from England wanting to come to the big cities in Australia, either Sydney or Melbourne. But to go somewhere where, you know, a couple of years beforehand, I'd never heard of it. 
Um, and it was only really by sheer luck and a few things uh, happening that I actually found out about it. It, it taught me really a new way of life. Um, I'd been from the city. I'd lived in Sydney all my life. Um, I went to Boston. That was very quiet. And obviously everyone sort of knew everyone. What I noticed, and it's still something to this day, I would say that Endeavour was the place where everyone got on with everyone. Obviously, you know, there's politics, there's politics in every radio station, but everyone went out for a drink on a Friday or Saturday night. And it was a community spirit, not just from Endeavour, but also outside of Endeavour as well. And I look back on my two and a bit years there, and I uh, said to you off air, I don't regret that. And it taught me a lot of things on my time returning to Australia. It also, even nowadays, I still listen to a lot of English radio, uh, Endeavour, of course, but I listen to the Chris Moyle show. I know people love him, but I listen to him every day and different stuff. I sometimes listen to LBC as well. Having lived in England and listening to Chris Moyles when he was on Radio 1 and now on Radio X, it's an interesting experience because you get to open your mind a bit similar to you where you listen to a bit of Australian radio. You're not just bogged down in one format of radio. And I think for someone that wants to be involved in radio, whether it be on air or off air, I think it's a very important thing to do. Yeah, it's it's extremely important to immerse yourself in lots of different types of radio, even if it's kind of niche. So if you're into speech radio for example there are lots of different types of that and it's good to experience it um you're involved in a lot of sports broadcasting um tell us a little bit about that yeah so sports broadcasting was really the first thing i was interested in from a young age i'm a big rugby league fan and i was sort of interested in broadcasting rugby league from when i'm seven or eight uh, I remember listening to the young commentators here, and well, I was young, they weren't so much, but when I was young, listening to them um, and wanting to be them. And then just before I left for England, actually, uh, I got involved in a rugby league show on a community station that was really fun uh, to work on. And then obviously spent a couple of years in England, and thanks to Patrick Hildred uh, and a few other people, uh, I got involved in broadcasting some of the Boston United games, uh, which was uh, a lot of fun. To do, even though I didn't know a lot about Boston United at the time, um, you, you sort of when you go to England or the UK, if you're a sports fan, Jamie, you have to get into football, as you guys call it, soccer over here, and that was a very important learning curve as well because. I had to learn a lot of things. I had to learn names of towns that I'd never heard of, and I used to host the studio shows. Um, and you had to go through all the scores from the Premier League down. So obviously from the Premier League, you know most of them, but once you get to sort of League One, League Two, you're not familiar with them unless your team is playing in them. And then I got back to Sydney, and from 2013, I've been broadcasting uh, Rugby League mostly, where it will be uh, the reserve grade competition to the NRL. So it's still a very, very decent competition, and I've been – Doing that from 2013 to this year, this year I actually haven't called a game because the competition I called was uh, cancelled for obvious reasons. But it's something I've been very passionate about um, for many, many years. I I'd say uh, over the past probably two or three years, my interest has probably turned more into, obviously I still love doing the rugby league, but has probably turned a bit more into doing other type of radio, similar to what I was doing at Endeavour, a bit more speech, a bit more music type radio. But 
sport is something I'll always be interested in, um, and it's something that I've I've been lucky, even though you know I haven't reached the top of uh, where obviously everyone wants to be. I've been lucky enough to call a sport I love for the past seven or eight years, uh, and it's helped me get into other avenues of radio where. You know, 10, 11 years ago, I'd have never thought that could happen. Well, there are so many opportunities opening up just as a lot of the doors are closing. Um, obviously, with your background in speech broadcasting and sports, are you working on or ever thought about podcasting? Yeah, so we do. Um, it's funny, when uh, the lockdown, lockdown version one happened, in Australia, we um, started a live show, but we turned it into a podcast. And I've dipped my hand into podcasting a bit over the past few years. Um, and I think podcasting obviously has has very big place. I, I must say, I'm one that loves doing live stuff because it's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen next. But I do think, and I was having this conversation with someone the other week, I think over the next five or ten years, obviously – you know, mainstream radio, normal radio will always have its place. But I think as technology grows even further than it has now, I think you'll find podcasts will have a much bigger place, whether that be a catch-up from a live radio show or a podcast like yours. Uh, I think that is going to have a huge place. I think also online radio and digital radio, now most people can access it, I think in the next five or ten years is going to have a big place, a big part to play in radio as well. So podcasting for me is something I, I have tried um, and it's something I'm not against. I, I think it has a huge part to play uh, over the next however many years uh, as people sort of move away from using the radio, the actual radio to listen to shows because I don't know about you, Jamie, but I, I haven't really, unless I'm in the car, I, haven't, I can't remember the last time I listened to radio on an actual radio. I think the ways in which people are listening has changed dramatically. Um, totally. You're in Sydney at the moment. Um, you work a lot in, in Melbourne. Obviously, at the time that we're recording this podcast, they're under something of, of a lockdown um, of, of some sorts. They put new things in place. And I've been listening to Free AW, one of the stations that you work at, and I've been very impressed with the way in which they've handled it. Can you give us any information about um, you know, have you heard anything about like their strategy towards covering an event like that? Yeah, look, I, I can't comment too much about what's happening at 3 at the moment. Simply haven't actually been in the building for about six weeks. So it's been a little while, but I'll give you an insight. Like, and, you know, I don't want to be blase about it, but when coronavirus first sort of hit and Australia was in the whole of the country, a bit like most of the world was in lockdown back in March or April, Australia, compared to most of the world, and still, to be honest, have handled it pretty well. There was obviously coverage about it. It was a big thing on radio, obviously, it is again now. But there, it was never like it is now, if that makes sense, or probably what it was like in the UK, especially. I, I remember listening to LBC when Boris Johnson got admitted to hospital. Um, and I remember waking up at 3.30 in the morning and hearing about that. And that, I think, regardless of what you think of Boris Johnson, that sort of there, there's been a few days throughout this that I think has made it seem real, and I think that was probably number one. So I haven't been involved too much in the coronavirus coverage. I, I know they're doing a great job. I listen to it quite a lot too, and the people that work on there are fantastic. But 
I'll take you back about six months before that. Uh, the bushfires. There are a lot of bushfires uh, in summer in Australia. The summer just gone uh, over December and January. I was actually in Sydney um, and I was flying back to Melbourne and due to work that night. Um, and they decided to put on a bushfire special. Uh, with a broadcaster called Justin Smith, who's an excellent broadcaster, been around for many years. And it was a five-hour special that was done basically, decided on probably about midday that day. The effort that goes to doing a broadcast like that, and I was sort of a part of it the next day with another show, although it eased slightly by then, is uh, remarkable. You, you've got all hands on deck. doesn't matter if you're answering the phones, producing, panelling, on air, obviously. It's a very, very, I mean, the talent on air makes it sound very smooth. But when you're getting news like that, and you've got to remember, it's not an everyday thing. Uh, and even at the moment, the coronavirus story is a bit different to big breaking news that is happening right here, right now. The coronavirus story is sort of something that's just continuing um, and obviously not good, but it's not big breaking news. But you've got to remember that, that most nights or most days, there's no real big breaking news. So whenever there is breaking news, the people behind the scenes, just as much as the people on air have to be on their game. And that was probably the biggest story I've been involved in. And obviously the bushfires were awful in Australia over the summer. But that was a privilege to be a small part to play in that. Um, and it was a very small part to play. But just to help get all that on air, it's obviously you don't want to be in that situation. But the adrenaline, whether it be with me calling a grand final or calling a big game of rugby league or being involved in a big breaking news story, the adrenaline is still there, and I think I think that's important because I think at the end of the day, uh, whether it be a rugby league game, a grand final, or a big breaking news story, if you're not excited to be involved, no, that sounds a bit weird, but if you're not excited to be involved, you're probably not in the right place anymore. So, yeah, it's, it's a definite privilege to be able to call grand finals and be able to be involved in big breaking news, whether that be at 3AW, SWA, or wherever else I've worked. The London Bryants was another example 10 years ago when I did that for Endeavour. It was yeah, big breaking news. It's why the media work and uh, it's why people turn to the media. It is. And the media over the last few years has um, has grown in size and, and uh, in some cases cut down in some areas. What What is your like ambition for the future? What What would you like to do? If you had asked me, that's a very good question. Um, if you'd asked me even five years ago, I would have said definitely, you know, sports-based commentary, which is obviously, you know, still an ambition. I, I would love to do that. Don't get me wrong. But having done stuff uh, at Endeavour, having done some breakfast radio stuff and having done my job at 3AW, I'm sort of content to see what happens. As long as I'm in the industry, um, I don't really mind. Obviously, you know, I'd love to be on air. I'd love to be, to be doing what I love doing the most. But I'm also realistic and you sort of get to that age where you're realistic enough to know that some things might still happen, but you've also got to follow a path that is more realistic as well because you've got to earn a living. So I'm quite easy with whatever happens in the future as long as I'm around or involved in the media industry and you know, whether that be here in Australia or, as I've said before, I haven't totally ruled out uh, returning to England if the time was right. Uh, I, I do have a few people over there I speak to on a regular basis and not just at Endeavour. Um, I've been in contact uh, with actually Pippa Taylor, who, who works at Radio X um, and a few other people. So it, it, it's something that obviously wherever it is, I'm just happy to involved in, be involved in the media because it's such a special industry. Yes, it cops some flack uh, and rightly so a lot of the time, but... Uh, I, I can tell you that the majority of the people that work 
in it uh, are very, very good people and are just trying to do their job at the best of their ability. Sometimes they don't always get it right, but it's such an important job because, to be honest with you, there's been a bit of talk about essential jobs and, and whatnot over the past few months, but if there was no media, even if the media you don't agree with, even if there's media you don't agree with, you wouldn't know what was going on. So it is essential that the media in some way, shape or form, whether that be TV, radio, newspapers, stay because that's how people get the message out. And in some ways, people keep people safe. Yeah, it's extremely wise words there. And, um, you know, I'm glad to see that the enthusiasm is still there for it um, after all this time. It's uh, it's wonderful. Can you can you just, um, when you say, because you, you make reference to wanting to do commentary, when you say call a game what does that mean yes that's commentary so um okay yes <laughs> so uh it's an Australian... just in case it was lost in translation you know yeah no i totally understand so yeah we, we often um say commentating a game is calling a game uh, that's probably more an australian thing than an english thing so yeah uh commentary is a big thing uh, it always has been for me Again, realistic that it is a very, very small field. You know, there's only on radio here, there's probably only a handful of people that commentate rugby league and the majority of them will be around for years and rightly so, don't get me wrong. So you got to, unfortunately, and that's what I've said to a lot of a few younger people that do stuff with us, especially in terms of the rugby league and the sports commentary, sort of asked me, you know, what do you think I should do? And I said, look, definitely, if you want to do sports commentary, don't let me put you off that bad you got to kind of have a second path to that, whether that be in the media or not. That's obviously up to the individual. But I've found that if you go just down one path, you can either get it and that would be great or you spend 10, 15, 20 years sort of not getting where you want to. So it's important to have a backup plan and uh, I would advise that to anyone that's looking to get into the media that um, your backup plan can be in the media, but you just got to be careful about uh, how you go about it but as long as you work hard and you're determined um and you get on with people that always helps you'll succeed nine times out of ten well again extremely wise words there and great advice to those um that would be looking to get into the industry just finishing off here i noticed from listening to most australian radio that they sometimes use slang and we've almost covered it in the, my previous question they sometimes use slang that uh, english wouldn't be very familiar with but you use it quite quite often um did you find that the same way with working over here it's funny i um when i was on air um there's three things i really got picked up on and the first one which i, I found quite interesting was uh, i would always give the time so if I was going to play a song, um, I would say it's, you know, 20 to 2 or whatever. And, and for a little while, uh, there are people that uh, knew me very well um, that asked, why are you doing that? And I thought, oh, is that not normal? And it, it sort of started to be a thing after a while, after I started doing it, a couple of other people do, did it. But I, I thought that was a fairly normal thing. It's definitely normal where I listen to English radio now. Um, but no one kind of got it why I did that at the time, but um, it was just something that Australian radio does all the time, and having listened to a lot of English radio now, they do it, but I thought I was doing the awfully wrong thing. Uh, also, uh, when I said, uh, and I, I refrain from doing this a lot, but I would 
you know, sometimes say good art like, or tomorrow Arvo, which in Australia means afternoon. And I said that once, I think, and uh, people uh, jumped to me and said, no, no, you can't be saying that. And a couple of other things when I call uh, Maccas, which is McDonald's, Maccas, it's called Maccas here as a nickname, but over there it's called Mackie D's. It, it was interesting, Jamie. <laughs> Uh, and look, obviously, I'm not nowhere near the biggest uh, Australian broadcaster that's ever gone to England and broadcasted. But it was interesting, and, and and I'll be honest with you, it probably took me about six months to a year to completely adapt to the English style of broadcasting, where there would be little things where I would say things that probably wouldn't be picked up by the people that were listening properly, uh, and that wasn't their fault. It was entirely my fault. Again. Once I finished my two years, uh, two and a bit years, and came back here, even now, and I haven't been in England, I haven't been living in England. I was there for a holiday last year, but I haven't been living in England for almost coming up. This coming February will be nine years, uh, I think, since I came back. There are still elements of on air and off air how I talk that is based on when I was in England. Yeah, there are elements that will always stay with me about English radio and having broadcasted in England, which helps me with Australia, whether it be on air and off air and some ideas that I have, in, uh, especially with the sports broadcasting and the different things I do. And it's why I'd never close the door on returning to England because I, I love the country. Um, I think it's just one of the nicest places in the world. Everyone that knows me knows that uh, I would, in a heart, potentially not now, but usually in a heartbeat, I would be over there. So it's something that I learned a lot about, uh, learned a lot of, and who knows, one day down the future, we might be doing this podcast in person. But very important, whether you stay in one country or go to different places to pick up on the little things, which will help you in whatever career you go into. It doesn't have to be media. That will help you in, in the long run, I think. I do wish you all the very best of luck. And it's great to hear so much positivity about um, British broadcasting. And um, closing down here, I'd like to say thank you very much for appearing on the podcast today. No worries, Jamie. Stay safe and we'll chat again soon. Watching the Wireless, a podcast about radio with Jamie Dyer. And thank you once again to my guest, Daniel Pettigrew, for joining us on this edition of the Watching the Wireless podcast. And if you're listening and you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of the podcast, you can tweet us at WatchWireless19 on Twitter or just go to the Facebook page, Watching the Wireless. This is Jamie Dyer saying thank you very, very much for listening and bye-bye for now. <laughs>